When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, Andre, you know I just got to drive a freaking race car. No way, dude. Yeah. Which, which race car? Uh, a BMW uh, GT4. Ooh. M4 GT4. It's a, it's a pure on, hard as nails, carbon fiber seat, <laughs> steering wheel that pops off. Make you clench your butt so hard, your eyes want to pop out race car. What were you driving? I was driving off-road, actually. I was not in a race car. I was in also a Nissan Armada SUV. And uh, Nathan was uh, following. um, And we did a video with also the new 4Runner TRD Pro. All right. So in this episode of TFL Talk, we're going to be talking about every M BMW there is because I just got to drive... All of them, pretty much, uh, as well as all the minis, as well as if I wanted to, uh, Motorrad. And we're, of course, we'll be talking about uh, my favorite topic, which is off roading. But let's talk about BMWs first. What do you say, but, Andre? But there's another topic in this uh, show. There which is. is Alpina. Oh, yeah, that's right. You forgot my, one of my favorite BMW uh, models is their Alpina lineup. The best car you've never heard of. So let's start, <laughs> let's start with that. Uh, over at TFL Car, we've got a video on it if you want to see it. Uh, by the way, if you want to keep up with all of our videos, just go over to tfl-studios.com where you can download an app to your phone that allows you to basically see all our podcast videos and news. Um, and speaking of news, before we get to the Alpina... Um, Today, Andre, as this video airs, you are actually in Las Vegas. Well, not today, but <laughs> the future you on Monday is yes. in Las Vegas. Tell me, why are you going to Vegas? SEMA uh, show, dude. 2021 SEMA. It's, uh, it's basically an extravaganza of new vehicle, truck and car, uh, accessories. It's an industry, industry show. Uh, but on Friday, actually, of that week, they're letting some public in. In this really? Show. Yeah. It's called Sima Ignited. They let public in every year. <laughs> it's never just insiders. It's always a lot of like hungover Aussies and Germans wandering around with. And maybe Russians? And Russians wandering around yeah. with bags full of stuff trying to find where the uh, tire tent is of half naked women. <laughs> it's true. It's much more than that, I, I hope. <laughs> well, that's, that's always part of the fun at Sima. So. If you're going to SEMA or if you're at SEMA today, uh, give us some previews. What, what are some cool vehicles that uh, are going to be featured at SEMA uh, that we'll have, uh, of course, complete videos on? Yeah, so last year's SEMA didn't really happen because of COVID, right? Yep. So there was a lot of pent-up demand and people you know, want to show off their accessories and all kinds of truck and car stuff. And this year, many major manufacturers are bringing their vehicles, concepts. We're talking about Ram TRX, Rex Runner. We have stuff from Chevrolet. Ford's bringing many, many trucks, of course, and cars like the Mustang. Uh, we have Jeeps. We have Dodges. And, and then, of course, smaller companies do their own custom uh, uh, jobs. Wait, wait, you just, you just, you just kind of skipped over the headline. Isn't there something special that Ford will be unveiling? Don't you have a special invite to Ford program? Yes, it's a new Bronco edition. Ooh, it's so, an addition to the Bronco so family. I, so you think they're going to uh, unveil the Raptor Bronco? I really hope so. So wow. at the, as far as this taping of this episode, uh, this podcast is concerned, I do not have a lot of information about this. There's no tape in that machine, just a chip. A uh, chip, just yeah. digital bits? <laughs> just just <the> digital <laughs> zeros and ones. <laughs> Wait, there's no tape? There's no tape. <laughs> okay, as of this recording, I don't know a lot of information about, but hopefully the new Bronco Raptor is actually coming out. 
Now, in case you guys aren't familiar with SEMA, which, you know, is doubtful, but just in case, it stands for, I believe, Specialty Equipment Manufacturers Association. Uh, it's one of the biggest shows in Vegas. I think it's only second to CES, Consumer Electronics Show. Uh, and this year, it is a little smaller. They're saying probably, you know, down maybe 40 30 percent uh, usually uh, it takes you know at least a good half hour to 45 minutes to walk from one into the other if you wanted to walk the whole thing and all the aisles it probably take you all day uh, and basically it's it's all of the people out, out there who are customizing uh, and who are providing uh, aftermarket stuff for every vehicle known to man I think yeah, and unknown to man. And unknown, yes. unknown yeah. to man. So usually yeah. what you end up with, uh, obviously, is a bunch of like crazy lifted trucks, crazy lifted Jeeps, crazy lifted Broncos now. Uh, Lower along, trucks, everything. Along with all of the performance vehicles, right? So you're going to have slammed everything. And Mustangs. And supercharged. And um, yeah, there's just a lot of uh, cool stuff going on. And, you know, the, the, the big news, I think, that came out before, ahead of time, that's already been announced is, of course... Um, GM has a 1,000 horsepower. Isn't it, is it a 10 liter power plant that they'll be selling to you? It's like a six, 633 cubic inch displacement crate motor. Yes. And they're working actually with Hoonigan to put it into an older Camaro. So you, uh, you will see that as well. A thousand horsepower, ten point something liters. Yeah, right? I thought the I thought the elephant was, you know, you know, <laughs> big, uh, big. But no, apparently we're going bigger than that. I remember me and you were at SEMA one year, and the thing about SEMA and being a journalist is it's really hard to get your arms around it, right? You can't figure out what the interesting stories are because everything is so crazy cool. Uh, but we were um, GM used to do this thing where they would unveil all their special editions, plus they would have like the Copa. Camaro, right? Right. Um, and then um, I was sitting there, you know, having some snacks, and, and this guy came up, and I said, what are you here for? And he said, hey, I'm uh, here doing, you know, a specialty vehicle. And I'm like, well, what is it? And he goes, Prius. And I went, Ugh. And then I'm like, Prius? And he goes, yeah, yeah, we uh, Hellcat swapped it. And I'm like, you Hellcat swapped a Prius? Let's see it. Yeah, and yeah. basically it turned it into uh, a funny car, right, where the whole front end opened up. Uh, and I was like, wow, that is the it vehicle so you know hopefully you can find the it vehicle at this year's sema but go to tfl now where andre is going to be posting every uh, video from as, SEMA as much as possible, possible. Yeah. yeah so we've got we've got you know wall-to-wall -wall coverage we're calling it the tfl insider sema insider series uh and uh, remember we make you a promise you saw it first at the fast lane uh, car and truck and andre you're going to be working hard to make that true aren't you yes and also alex and case are with me um, in las vegas and all of us are working really really hard to bring you also toyota news you name it, Nissan News, Chevy News, Ford News, Ram, Jeep, everything. You got any parties you're going to? There's a couple of dinners. Yeah, okay. Yeah, a couple of dinners we hope to uh, hit uh, up, but no parties. It's work, 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 Roman. You're going to take, take in some shows besides SEMA? <laughs> no. You're going to go see the Blue Man? No, I don't have time for that. Oh, my gosh. It's, Thunder it's, down it's, under, Andre? No, it's focused, <laughs> focused on automotive. All right. Only automotive. All right. Well, let's 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 talk about the Alpina. Why, why are you so in love with the Alpina? Let me tell you what an Alpina is. First of okay. all, <laughs> Alpina is not, not part of BMW. It's uh, a custom German tuner that has, for the last several decades, worked closely with BMW. Uh, it's its own company. And basically what they do is they take a BMW, with the help of BMW, they work closely together, and they tune the car, to not necessarily to make it more horsepower-y, if that's a word, but to make it more torquey. So, uh, you know, it's more luxurious, and they, make the, they, they massage the engines to make them more torquey. Of course, they've got, uh, you know, a lot of kind of Alpina signature things they do, like a, you know, like a 20-spoke wheel. Um, they put Alpina badging all over the vehicle. Uh, and and uh, I got to ride in the new, Andre, Alpina B8, which is basically a grand touring coupe. Yeah, it's back there, a two-door. If you're watching this, it's, we also have images in the video. A two-door-like coupe with four doors, Andre, mm -hmm. uh, and 600-plus horsepower. Uh, I think BMW says it'll do 0 to 60. It's all-wheel drive, of course, in three and a half seconds. But launching, that was the hardest launching car I've been in outside of a Tesla in a long time. It, it's beyond tunnel vision. I want to say if we had a sold DL, which we should have brought, it's probably a sub 3.2, maybe 3.1 car, which is amazing. The front actually lifts off when you launch that thing using launch control. It's incredible. 
So this is part of the reason why I love the Alpina cars. Um, as you know, I'm, I'm a kind of a truck guy too, So, but the Alpina cars always captured my attention and I was always lasting after these cars. I've never owned one, unfortunately. Several years ago, I uh, was really fortunate. I, I met just the late Justin Wilson at our test track. Yes. We tested an uh, Alpina B8, which was kind of the precursor to the, this B8. I'm sorry, that was the B6. Yes, okay. Uh, this is the B8. I was like, it was a B6, I think. <laughs> yeah, it was a B6, the 6, six series. And back then, the M cars were mostly rear-wheel drive, right? Yep. So that was the signature M performance car, true M, was rear-wheel drive. But Alpinas were all-wheel drive. So they were capturing the same power, but putting it down a little bit more effectively uh, using all-wheel drive. Of course, this moved on, right? The latest M5 is all-wheel drive, et cetera, et cetera. Or two-wheel drive. You can uh, go either way. Yes. So, so these Alpina cars were always very luxurious, very powerful, high-performance. And eventually, if, you know, if it works out, I'll buy maybe a used Alpina. I want to say this one was 140. I cannot afford that right now. <laughs> You get so, 140,000, yeah. Andre, burning a hole in your pocket. You no, know not right now, but eventually I will. Maybe you could trade in your uh, Puhanka. And my F-150 <laughs> on, on this. And your wife's uh, BMW uh, i3. And every, the, every car. And the Subaru, and the Subaru Outback. Outback. Yes. Uh, what else you got? That's about it. That's it, yeah. Okay. Oh, a Mazda B4000. I can oh, trade that you in too. You give that to your dad, yeah. <laughs> and you'd be about halfway to the price of that. <laughs> yes. So it's expensive. Maybe when I retire in 40 years, I'll, I'll buy one. Uh, but anyway, it was a really cool car. Um, certainly extremely luxurious, right? The, the other part of that coin is that they bring a lot of luxury to it. Um, so uh, they massage the car. They make it ride a little bit better. Um, and uh, uh, the paint was just incredible. You can see it. It was this kind of dark... Uh, green yet light it's weird it was like dark and light depending on the kind of light changes color yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so if you looked at it kind of at sunset you think it's a dark green but if you looked at it in bright sunlight you think it's a very bold green uh, color uh, and uh, yeah the interior was just scrumptious and Alpinos always have these unique wheels, right? They're 20 spoke. Uh, yeah, 20 spoke wheels which is large diameter wheel which is just gorgeous. So uh, that was really cool to, to drive. Uh, you know, uh, cars that cost that much money, in my mind, are always kind of unobtainium. So it, it's hard to review it because it's, I can't put myself in the mindset of the person who would buy that. So it's great that you're here because, I, you know, I could never, <laughs> I could never like, imagine buying that car. I, I always think if I had $140,000, there's probably a lot of things I'd rather get uh, than an Alpina. But it's cool that I have an Alpina fanboy next to me. Well, not just that, but, you know, realistically for me, you know, uh, not, you know, I'm not a millionaire, but I think a used Alpina car would be maybe even a good buy. Uh, because, you know, the value will maybe five years down the line, maybe the, 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 the cost comes down so you can actually get one. I'm just wondering when, like, BMW is officially going to buy Alpina, right? So it becomes its in-house brand for luxury. Well, because that's what happened to AMG, yeah, right? Yeah, same thing. A yeah. AMG was its own company yeah. or uh, the motorsports. BMW has always had M, but yeah. I could see them buying Alpina or... Or, you know, making that relationship. Because you can go to BMWUSA.com and actually buy an yeah. Alpina Yeah, they work, they work very closely yeah. together, yeah. Uh, so so that was probably, you know, the most interesting car that, that you've probably never heard of that I got to drive. <laughs> uh, but they had their full lineup, I would say, of their M cars, their M competition, and their MCS. So once upon a time, you know, it was like you had the 3 Series and you had the M3. Really simple. Uh, not any longer, Andre. Right. Now there's like the what? M3, there's the M4, there's the M3 competition, the M4, the M5, the M5 competition, the M5CS. It's almost like uh, the sense I got is they're almost going the, kind of the Porsche route, right, where like an M5CS is one of those cars that if you get your hands on it, it'll probably be worth fifty to 100000 more the second you want to flip it. Right, which is like a like a GT. It's like it would be like the equivalent of a GT3 or 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 a 911 RS. It's like so, that. So almost. why is that? Is that because it's a limited number of them? It's a limited it's number, just... and people want them, and they're they're very track focused, and they're the, kind of the ultimate BMWs. Uh, but to, to me, the, the the feeling I was left with with all these cars is like it, it wasn't fair because, like I said, we we mainly had the M cars there, and the X4M, and the X3M, and the X3M competition, <laughs> and the X4M competition, like like. Like I kind of felt like BMW was maybe going down the wrong route. Like they should instead of 
concentrating on competing directly with Porsche, which is what it feels like they're doing. They should be kind of competing more in terms of building just really great and sexy and comfortable uh, cars that people want to drive, not necessarily that people want to take to the uh, track. Alpina? Alpina, yeah. Well, uh, they have other Alpina models which Actually, are comfortable. I was in an X, sorry. sorry, I was in an X4M <laughs> competition. How much yeah. th- we were using those to commute between the resort uh, and uh, we were in, by the way, yeah, I should say that we were in Palm Springs at Thermal Raceway and the racetrack. How much do you think, take a guess, how much do you think the X4M competition cost? I want to say, uh, this is the X4, yeah. uh, I want to say like it, it's in the $70,000, $75,000. $95,000. $95,000? Mm. $95,000 for a vehicle that, let's face it, is you know um, probably built for like uh, an empty nester guy, right, who doesn't want to put anybody in the back because you go in the back because of that sloping roof line. If you're like me or you, you're not going to fit back there. You know, we had to have four people, and it was tight. So, you know, empty nester guy with a lot of money who's probably retired because I don't see a lot of, like, 25-year-olds spending $95,000 on a BMW. Uh, and so I kind of felt like, you know, you've kind of gone into the into the, into the the weeds there. And, of course, we were at the racetrack, uh, and the coolest thing I got to do is I got to get behind the wheel of a race car, uh, a GT4, mm-hmm. uh, M4 GT4. Um, so not a street car. This was pure, pure race, race car. car. What yeah. they do is they, they they sell them. I think they're a quarter million dollars to people who want to race them. Uh, and basically, they take this is a previous generation uh, M4. They take like an M4 uh, and they strip out all of the stuff that makes it you know comfortable. They put in dedicated race seats. They put in uh, a dedicated. Uh, steering wheel, you know, that one that's like the Tesla now, the, the yoke, right, that's, that actually pops off, mm-hmm. a special instrument cluster, uh, and then the only, like, creature comforts, which is actually cool for a race car, that it has are, um, are, is air conditioning, and thank God, because I was in Palm Springs, so it actually has air conditioning, uh, and then it has a little control for rear wiper, rear, rear uh, mirrors because it doesn't have a main mirror. It's got the two on the side, and if you're racing, that's important. And uh, we got to go get you know suited up as a race car driver, put on yeah. the helmets, and and then go around and the suits, track. All that. Yeah, and I was the Michelin man, dude. I was <laughs> I, I was definitely the Michelin man in one of those suits, one of those BMW racing. So it was hot. You were in the big suit. Thank goodness for air conditioning. I, I can see that. And uh, the car, you know, we, we first went around uh, in an M3 competition, um, and then. Uh, you know, we got into the race cars and got to do some hot laps in the race cars. Uh, and it's not any uh, quicker per se, you know, basically it's got the same power plant. Uh, it's, it's a lot louder because <laughs> it doesn't have any of the emission stuff. Uh, but my God, you know, it's on slicks and the amount of grip and the amount of braking that you have uh, is, just, is just absolutely mind-blowing. And because the car is so capable uh, and so beyond like what most everyday drivers are used to. It has uh, two modes. It's got wet and it's got normal uh, traction control. And they said you have to have it in wet mode, <laughs> which you well, know, because it keeps you on the track. In, inexperienced driver. Uh, yeah. I mean, racing drivers, drivers right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It keeps you on the track. Uh, uh, and so that was interesting. Of course, paddle shifters that you have to shift yourself. Um, and then another interesting thing was like... Uh, it's got a custom race car display so obviously it's got that kind of bar graph that that as you're accelerating it gives you like it goes from green to yellow to red which tells you when to you know upshift or downshift uh and then i've never seen this before but this must be a race car driver thing but you know i've never been in a race car before when you um hit the brakes they're very heavy i mean like heavier than you've ever seen any i mean it's like it's like you're doing a workout even to get them to slightly start and then the display tells you how much bar of pressure how many you're bars of pressure you're applying, uh, and you know, um, it, it, it's kind of a numeric value of of, of how hard you're braking. If, and if you want the ABS to kick in, it's like you know, it's like it's like imagine <laughs> kicking an elephant in the gut <laughs> as hard as you could to get its attention. That's what it was like to try to get that thing, you know, to stomp on the brakes. But thank you, BMW, for that experience. Uh, it was uh, it was a thrilling experience, and I'm I'm just grateful that. I got to get behind the wheel of a race car, even though I did look like the Michelin Man. So you also saw some new models, right? You saw a two series. Yes. Uh, many others, minis also. Yes. So I saw, I, uh, there's a driving embargo until November on the new, uh, the one we drove was the uh, 240i, M240i, which is like not the M2. But it's approaching the, it, right? It's approaching it. It's the yeah. one below it. So I, I can't tell you how it drives, uh, but the... Uh, 
interesting thing about that car uh, is that it doesn't have the big beaver nose, the big beaver teeth kind of kidney grill that you'd expect from, uh, you know... The, the latest BMWs. The latest BMWs, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so it's, it's a little bit understated. Um, you know, I, I think the, the 2 Series, in my mind, is a car that has the DNA of the brand, right? It's the car that, like, most closely resembles, like, the 2002, which is always the most classic of BMWs. So it's got those magic BMW qualities where it's, you know, sexy, it's fast and quick, it's uh, fun to drive, uh, and um, it's very sporty without being so sporty that, that you know, it, it beats you up. And a lot of these competition cars, are they're wonderful on the track, but on the road, you know. You have to be dedicated. You have to, yeah, be, yeah. You have to yeah. be dedicated to that craft. Yeah, so uh, we did a walk-around video. It's over at TFL Cars, so if you want to see what it looks like, um, if you want to watch me try to get in the back seat, which is funny. <laughs> <laughs> Go check it out. Uh, I think I think it's a little bit larger. I want to say it's a little two inches longer than the previous generation, so there's a little bit more uh, space in the vehicle. Uh, and um, the most interesting time I had was uh, in the M3 competition, which we're also reviewing. That's also going to be up on TFL Car. Uh, it had the competition seats, and it was just crazy. A San Paolo yellow, I think was the name of the color. It's this bright yellow color, and it had, uh, I think it was called... Uh, like a watercraft blue or something to do with like 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 the ocean right or like 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 boat mm-hmm. a jet ski blue or something like that interior so I had this crazy yellow with kind of this like uh, kind of like watery blue uh, interior and it had the carbon fiber seats which as a Michelin man I, I did can you finish. talk about the seats how, how comfortable or uncomfortable they were Tommy is that, felt is they that were, embargoed I don't think that's a driving impression that's a seating impression. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, okay. But who, who knows? That's I, look. I don't want to. I don't want to step on BMW's toes. Let's say. Let's just leave it at that. That Tommy was much happier in those seats than I was. Okay. Uh, yeah. You so can, you, you know, we can talk about them. they're on the M3. Actually, that's not true. That wasn't embargoed. Um, so yeah, we can talk about those. The, uh, the but thing. they just looked wild, right? Yeah. They, there's just, like this little yeah. hump in between your in between your legs, uh, which I didn't understand. Uh, why it was there, but it's there. Uh, if anything, there should be a little trough, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> mm, <laughs> Not a hump. Okay, okay. I gotcha. Okay, yeah. So, so uh, were there any electrified BMWs there? No. The and only electric vehicle there, which we can talk about, was uh, we got to do an autocross uh, in the uh, Mini SE, which is the all-electric Mini, which we actually own. So that okay. was a lot of fun. Okay. I, I sat in my group. I, I, I got on the podium. I took oh, third. Nice. But uh, it didn't count. <laughs> well, well, why not? Because we got like five laps, five tries at the autocross course. The first one was like, a, you know, learn it. The second one was practice. The, the the third and fourth like were like the ones that counted, and the fifth one was for fun. And the one I got the best time on was the fifth one. Was the fifth one the so last one? So it didn't one. count. Yeah. So I would I would have had like third out of all the journalists there. Were there were a lot of journalists there? Very cool. And there were other minis there, right? Classic minis. Yeah. As well? Yeah, and they had classic BMWs too that they didn't let us drive. They had a 2002. They had the E30 uh, M3, which was really cool. Uh, but they did have a classic mini, uh, and it was it wasn't all that like old. It, I think it was 1990. Tommy said mm-hmm. this gold color, which was freaky, uh, and they let us drive that. So Tommy did a video over at TFL Classics where he compares uh, the new mini to the old mini, and the question that we ask is, did BMW improve the mini? Aha, uh-huh. cool. Yeah, and I they had a Countryman. Yeah. They had a, a John Cooper Works. Uh, they had a base mini. Um, they had a, two convertibles. Um, so yeah, there were a lot of. Basically, BMW had maybe 50 cars there that we could all drive. That was pretty crazy. It is pretty crazy. And so, but they do that almost every year, right? Yeah. Where you can kind of sample, the journalists can sample, you know, a wide variety of their vehicles. They call it, they, they call it the BMW Test Fest. But other manufacturers are doing that. Are you doing that next week? Yeah, next week I'm heading over to uh, Asheville with Tommy, and we're going to be doing the Volkswagen Test Fest. Okay. So uh, that's going to be our, our big... Uh, um, so while I'm focused on automotive in Vegas, you're going to be focused on automotive in Asheville. in Asheville. Yeah, I can't wait. We'll get to get, drive the new GTI and the new Golf R. Uh, so we're looking forward to that uh, and looking forward to your coverage from uh, Vegas. Yeah. So we had in the office, in our test fleet here um, on loan, we had a brand new 2022 Nissan Armada. 
uh, which is we had or we have, uh, and we have. Yeah, and I just saw it sitting out there. Yeah, it, it's right here right now, and it's the new one. It's actually the exterior color is white, but it has a midnight package, which means all the badging, the grill. Um, some other accents are blacked out, so it kind of has that stormtrooper look, which is really, really cool. And also in our fleet, uh, test fleet uh, on loan, we have a 2022 uh, Toyota 4Runner TRD Pro. And those absolutely do not compete. No, they do not. <laughs> but we, we are fortunate to have them both at the same time. So Nathan and I got together and we decided that we would go off-roading, obviously. Uh, both of them are very capable. So we decided to take them on a trail run here in Colorado. And I wanted to take uh, a slightly different tack because they don't compete, right? So I wanted to um, two themes. First of all, uh, the Armada is based on the patrol, a global architecture, and the Forerunner is kind of a Land Cruiser Prado architecture from uh, overseas. So it's almost like, I, I called it the off-roading legends, because the patrol has been around for many, many decades. The uh, Land Cruiser Prado has been around for many decades. And of course, the Forerunner itself. Um, and also, so it's kind of like almost like forbidden fruit because we we're sampling kind of a global vehicle here in the United States. Um, and also uh, legends, legendary. Yeah, I agree. I mean, um, you know, it's a stretch on the Armada called a legend <laughs> because because it is, you know, while, while it's based on a legend, it is. A it's its own thing. It's kind its own of. thing. Yeah. But certainly the forerunner, I'll give you that. That's certainly a legend. So, so you want to give us a clue as to how it went? Yeah, so this video is coming to TFL Off-Road Channel, yeah. obviously, so um, you can check it out as well there. Um, so this Armada is not a true, so this Armada is not a true, like, off-roader. It, it has four low, it has low range, but it does not have a selectable locker, for example. It does not have very aggressive tires. So nonetheless, we still went to Tombstone Hill, Tombstone Trail, um, here in Colorado. On the other hand, the Forerunner TRD Pro it does have a lot of off-road focused equipment. It has a rear locker, it has a crawl modes, it has a, a, um, off-road terrain modes, it has good, great tires, it has shocks and suspension that's specific for off-roading. But uh, nobody got stuck. How about that? I'll just say that we did not get stuck. I was driving the Armada, Nathan was driving the Forerunner, um, and I was able to uh, take the uh, Armada everywhere I wanted to go. Well, that's impressive for you yeah. know a big vehicle that uh, uh, is more of a let's face it a family hauler. Uh, yeah. But didn't you also like that vehicle? Yeah, I did. Now, tell me about that. That's <laughs> what I'm curious about. How, how much? What you tow? How much? How much weight? And how to go? So. Uh, just what a year ago, right? The Armada was updated, facelifted, yes. um, refreshed. The interior is all new. They also um, moved their towing capacity just a little bit higher. It's now 8,500 pounds. So it's a true, you know, truck-based, frame-based, uh, three-row SUV, uh, full-size SUV uh, with a good capacity. And they also, Roman, and I was really pleased. They have an integrated brake controller. Um, in this thing, which is really important because if you want to tow, you don't want to, you know, go out and get an accessory brake controller from somewhere else. So it's built in, integrated. Uh, we towed about 8,100 pounds. So we were pushing this Armada close to its limit. You know, 85 is its limit. We're towing about 8,100 pounds. And this was our flat deck trailer. And we had our 1965 Ford F100 as our ballast, which is also always looks very impressive and huge and big. And I compared it actually against an F-150. So it was kind of like SUV versus truck. Uh, you know, how different is it to tow uh, with an SUV versus a pickup truck? So yeah, tell me. So how different is it? Let's, let's cut to the chase. Let's give, yeah. them, give them the, is it, which one tows better, the truck so, or the Armada? So, you know, the iGauntlet, we have very specific measurements, right? Yeah. We have the braking performance on the way down. We have time up the mountain, fuel efficiency up the mountain. The Armada is equipped with a wonderful V8, 400 horsepower, 5.6 liter, sounds great. Uh, the F-150 had a um, hybrid, it was a power boost, so twin turbo with electric power. So once again, they do not compete, right? Um, in, in any shape or form, but they can tow the same amounts uh, to some extent. And the Armada has an independent rear suspension, the truck has a solid axle. So in the very end, 
the numbers were leaning towards the pickup truck. Okay. So better braking performance on downhill. Uh, I didn't touch the brakes as often as I did in the Armada. Not by a huge margin. It was six versus nine brake applications. On the way up, uh, the elevation of this test, which is the world's toughest towing test, uh, was kind of... Uh, the Armada was struggling a little bit. Really? It slowed down just a little bit um, up the mountain. Um, it wasn't bad. It wasn't a bad performance, but it was not as commanding as that twin turbo um, in the Ford. And But the comfort, the suspension worked well in the Armada. So my verdict was, really, if you want to tow about 8,000 pounds, the Armada will do it. Fine. It was comfortable. It wasn't very loud, you know, there was um, no trailer sway, everything was really controlled. But, you know, if you want to tow a little bit more or actually be a little bit more confident, you have to get a truck. Fair enough. I think, I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, trucks are specifically designed for towing, so it, it makes sense to me that the truck would be the better of the two. Slightly better, but you know what the first you are a truck guy. But the funniest part is um, what I didn't expect, not the funniest, but what I really didn't expect is, you know how we measure the trip meter efficiency? Yeah. Uh, the Armada did better. Really? The big V8 towing the same weight was a little bit better according to the trip meter on MPG versus the hybrid truck, uh, the F-150. You would think the hybrid would be better, right? You would think everybody's going to hybrid, so you think the reason they're doing that is to, to have more uh, fuel economy upside, but maybe you're right. Maybe uh, but you know, I think when, when you get into the turbos. And you are, because yeah. you're climbing a mountain 7% grade with a trailer. You're using all, all a lot of your power. You know, the turbos are lit. The electric motor is helping to some extent um, in the F-150. And it's really, you know, I had a lot more acceleration power. If I wanted to go faster, I could have. If I wanted to pass somebody easily, I could have. Uh, but you're using fuel, once again. <laughs> it, it, you know, you're not going to get a lot of efficiency doing that. Um, so what was the price difference? Because I'm sure that was pretty dramatic. Because the uh, truck was... Uh, was that a King Ranch? Yeah, it was a King Ranch. Okay. It is a King it, Ranch. It is a Ranch King Ranch. Uh, and it was approaching 77 grand. Wow, so, oh, Andre. That's a lot of money. And this is MSRP. Yeah. You know, we have other sense. stories on TFL now about markups and yeah. market adjustments, right? Yeah. And you guys have responded to us, and thank you very much for and doing that. We're going to get into that in a second. I wanted, yeah. I wanted to bring up some of these, some of these yeah, you uh, should. emails. Yeah, yeah, I've got um, them right here. So that was the MSRP on the F-150 um, King Ranch which was a King Ranch, which is already a luxurious truck with a lot of options and equipment um, on top of it. Uh, like, for example, it had onboard scales, which was a is, is a really cool feature where it actually helps you determine how much weight you have, either from the tongue weight of the trailer or from the payload that you're carrying in the bed or the people that you're carrying. So that feature was there it had a 7.2 kilowatt inverter generator so all those things added up to 77 grand approximately the armada midnight edition was actually sixty-four thousand. wow which is also you know sounds like a high number but it's not as high as but it's not as high as the f-150 that's a big difference between them um, and also it was very comfortable leather interior premium feeling so yeah i think the armada is still a pretty good value when you consider everything that it does. So uh, this week we did uh, an interesting a series of videos over at TFL Now. Uh, and obviously if you guys you know, have been shopping for new cars or used cars or trucks, you know that the market is topsy-turvy uh, because of a bunch of different issues from chip shortages to supply chain issues. Uh, it's almost hard to get a new vehicle now, uh, which is also basically cost the uh, used car market uh, to explode. So, uh, you know, the, the, the statistics are pretty staggering. Uh, year over year, used car prices are up 30%. Uh, and it's getting to the point now where some used car prices are as expensive as new car prices. Yeah. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, uh, some uh, dealerships are using this moment in time to, to um, take advantage of the demand and the lack of supply and do what we're euphemistically calling uh, uh, market adjustments, right? Yeah. Or what they're calling market adjustments. Right. Uh, basically, you know, they're, they're taking the 
MSRP stands for Manufacturer Suggested Retail Price, and they're taking the suggested part of that to heart. Uh, and, and, <laughs> and, and suggesting something higher. And suggesting something higher. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, some aren't doing that. A lot of them, of course, are also sticking to the MSRP. Uh, and so what we wanted to do is we wanted to highlight the uh, the different dealerships, and we wanted to be very straightforward about this. We didn't want to be, you know, one way or the other. We wanted you guys to be able to go and, you know, buy a vehicle uh, at the best possible location for the best possible price. So we asked you for your stories of recent new car buying, uh, and um, well, some of them were, you know, great, and some of them were terrifying. Well, I think the majority was um, you guys responded with markups, and I think. That's probably where some of the a lot more interesting stories lie. Yeah. Um, but a lot of you also said um, that you either got an MSRP on a new vehicle purchase or below. Yeah. You know, some of you actually were able to get great deals. We talked about it in the other video. For example, uh, one of you bought a Ram 1500 at a discount. Um, some one of you bought a Ford Maverick at MSRP, but many of you could not. <laughs> so. So we we asked you to send yeah. in pictures of like stickers with uh, um, you know market adjustments, market adjustments, uh, and uh, you know we got hundreds of responses. Uh, if you want to see some of the responses, go over to TFL Car where Zach is compiling them, uh, and or over to TFL Truck where Andre is compiling them, or watch that video on TFL Now. But I did want to uh, read. I think this is probably the best one because this 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 uh, individual Jason is his name emailed us and uh, uh, basically. Uh, well, let me read it to you. It's okay. really interesting because he went to a whole bunch of different dealerships. And so in one email, I think we have one, two, three, four, four, five, six dealership experiences. And they kind of encompass the, the you know, the, the current situation in the best way I could find. Okay. Let's so, do it. so Jason says, sorry, we, and let's go, we'll go through them one at a time. We'll talk about them. Okay. Uh, so the first one is Jason says, sorry, I didn't take any pictures, but uh, we did not have an interesting, we did have an interesting experience in a few dealerships that we visited and called over the course of a Saturday. So this was over one day. First one, Joe Myers Toyota. We were in the market for a new 2021 Toyota Venza for our parents and visited Joe Myers Toyota in Houston, Texas. They had one Venza on the lot, Andre, one. Okay. Um, um, and that was in the LE trim for around $34,000 on the sticker. The initial salesperson told us that, yeah, we'll work with you on the price. Come on in. Fair enough. Fair. We get inside, and he comes back with a piece of paper that shows $39,000 out the door. Apparently, there was a dealer markup that they failed to tell us about before we went inside. A couple of the managers came by, and one wanted to explain in quotes to us how they got to 39000 told them we didn't need math lessons, and told them monthly payments amounts are non-issues, and give us your best price OTD out the door. Mm -hmm. uh, the best they could do was 39k OTD and still included a markup, so we left. And I think uh, this, this first story exemplifies what uh, a lot of people are doing right now, Andre, which is just, they're just giving up, right? They're just, they're just, they're, people are just like, this is crazy time. So the, the, I think by far the biggest reaction that people are, are having is like, I'll just, if, I, if I'm not in a desperate situation, I'm just going to hold on and walk away and yeah. walk away and just basically checking out of the out of the new car market. But but also it's also highlighting another practice that some dealers are doing where either they say call for price, yeah. right? Or maybe the price may not be reflecting everything that's happening, which is not not a good practice. I mean, well it feels bait and switchy. Yeah. I mean, I mean that just that, that's a that's not a good practice because as a as a buyer of things, you know, you you don't want to be fooled into thinking you're going to, you know, pay one thing, but then the real price is, is another thing. Uh, right. It's not a good practice. I think it, in some places it's actually outlawed. Uh, but uh, what, what in the end, what it does is it just it just you know has consumers tapping out of out of buying new cars at this moment. And at some point, um, I, you know, I, I I don't know where this is all going to end up. All right, I, I really don't know. But uh, you know, if you apply basic economic concepts, right, <coughs> you have to figure that car dealerships and manufacturers don't make money by not selling cars. Yeah, so the, the, this is a complicated situation, obviously. We, we're doing a lot of research into this. Um, there are component shortages, right, that are forcing manufacturers and dealerships. Obviously, dealerships have low inventories. It's a very tough situation. Manufacturers want to build vehicles, but they can't. There's a tire shortage, right? There's a glass shortage. There's a chip shortage. There's every kind of shortage right now, uh, which is 
pretty wild. And so, yeah, so a, a lot of dealerships that are choosing to uh, market adjust vehicles, especially very popular ones, they are, well, a lot of them are upfront about this. If you go to their websites or if you call them, they'll say right there, there's a market adjustment on this vehicle. You could see it right there. So, and I would understand like if you have a used car, you just keep your used car, right? If you don't have to buy something, you're going to walk away. Yeah, I mean, like I said, Andre, uh, you know, dealerships and manufacturers don't make money by not selling cars. And the road that this is on right now is it, it could potentially it's a bad road. Is a bad road because uh, you know the recent reports uh, out there are that uh, dealerships have now laid off almost a million salespeople across the country, uh, and th- that's just a drop in the bucket if uh, the factories start closing. Because yeah. then we're talking about tens of millions of people potentially. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not the road that we want to be on. Okay, let's go to number two. Okay. Uh, he went to, um, uh, Jason went to, he says, Hub Hyundai of Houston. Okay, we walked over to this dealership because it was just next to Joe Myers. We walked a lot and really wanted to see uh, the new Santa Cruz looked like. Oh, great. Um, in person, this pre- the salesperson came out and said um, they wouldn't get any until November, December. We had a chat some chit chat and just look to see if they had um, if they had and the salesperson told us all of my customers pay over MSRP needless to say we left so there's another one um, that, that so once again the, the vehicle they wanted to see wasn't there yeah there were markups on other vehicles and the salespeople said we're asking and you know in, in the story you did Andre where you actually highlighted you know the various markups that the dealerships are doing uh, one of the comments on that video was uh, a, a person who was in the business and they said that other manufacturers are willing to pay them I'm sorry other dealerships are willing to pay them over MSRP so basically the, the comment was how can we sell to the public when we can sell the same vehicle to like to another dealership for over MSRP and, and if that were me I'd be like you know I'd be like dude that is a win-win you <laughs> you make more money on your allocation yeah send and it you there. don't and you and send it to, to send it to the people who will then charge double MSRP right uh, and you will at the same time maintain your customer base and your relationships without looking like you're the one who's you know asking for a lot of money and, and, and leaving the impression that you're greedy. So I, I think that's a great way to bank, bankrupt your competition while at the same time getting over MSRP. So uh, I think what they were saying is if the competition is willing to pay more, why shouldn't the customer? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if the competition's willing to pay more, that should, be your, it. <laughs> that should be your business model. <laughs> All right, wow. Number three, Don McGilterto. We stopped at this dealership on our way over to the Lexus dealership down the street, told them we were interested in the new 2021 Venza LE salesperson said, oh yeah, we have one of them on the lot. There okay. you go. Okay. We kept asking how much it was uh, and asking uh, if, um, and he was super vague in giving us the price. So they want to know he was super vague. We go inside and he's writing uh, all of my information, which is also weird, right? I hate that. I hate when like, I hate, I hate, I hate, I hate, um, um, and then uh, goes and pulls the car around for us. So I hate when you walk into any store or you're buying something and they yeah. want your name, they want your email address, your birthday they want your phone or number. something. Don't do that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is not. Uh, we're not signing a contract. We're, yeah, we're, yeah, we're not. We're, we're not getting a mortgage. We're not transacting anything financial yet. Do not ask for my personal information. I consider that stuff highly personal when I walk in the door. Right, it just, it just, it, it's creepy and it freaks me out. Right, I, I don't know who you are. Why do you want my birth date? Why do you want my driver's license? You know, I, I get the fact that at some point, if I want to test drive it, you want it, but do not ask for that first thing because it just creeps me out. How about you, Andre? Do you feel comfortable with that? No, no, I don't want to give my information to everybody. <laughs> yeah, no. So yeah, once, once, if I want to buy something, yeah, I understand. You know, now is the time where I want to sign and give my information. So anyway, he, he goes on to say, um, or to write, we took a look out the window, and sure enough, there was Venza with a certified pre-owned. Ooh, okay. Uh, plates. He came back in and asked, so uh, that's a new Venza, uh, and just pulled the wrong plate on the car, right? 
So, certified pre-owned? Yeah, so okay. apparently he asked about a new one. This guy came back with, with a car that had certified pre-owned plates on it. Okay. And they asked, oh, that's a new one. His response, oh, it's brand new model for this year. We were like, you got to be kidding me. I told him, I'm looking at the new, I'm looking for a new, not Bra- used brand Venza. New. Yeah, brand, brand new. Yeah, brand new, not used Venza. We took a look at it anyway, and it was the exact same spec as the Venza we saw at Joe Meyer, but with almost 5,000 miles. So maybe like a dealer, I don't know, demo or something, right? Mm-hmm. But it certainly wasn't new with 5,000 miles. Again, we kept asking for the price of the vehicle because there wasn't any price on any of the windows. We went back inside and finally got the asking price for almost $47,000 out Wait. the door for a used Venza, capital used. So that was higher than the previous yes. price they saw. Yeah, we walked out of the dealership thinking, wow, that 39K Venza sounded, <laughs> in all caps, really good right now. Uh, okay, wow, that's, so, that's wild. So, you know, that's another great example of like a classic uh, red flag, right? Uh, when, when you keep asking about the price, you see that a lot when you go... Uh, even Auto Trader, right? Where it, where they say call for price mm-hmm. or you know inquire about price. Yeah, uh, you know that price is never going to be below MSRP because otherwise they would state it. They would state it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if the price was good, they'd be like five k below MSRP, and you'll see that sometimes too because they want you to buy the car. If if it's always call or inquire, it's just going to be expensive. It just is. So once again, red flag, probably a good. Um, good time. So the story is not over, right? No, no, no. That was number three. We okay. got more. Okay. All right. Number four. Um, this is uh, Westlake Lexus. We stopped by this dealership and talked to a, a contact we dealt with last year and said the inventory is just low right now and they were not doing any markups, just straight MSRP. They just didn't have any models and we that we were interested in, but it was good to know that they were doing MSRP. So that's Westlake, Texas, I believe in Houston, okay? Okay. Number five, great. Okay. Hey, okay. Westlake, thank you. Nice. Appreciate it. Thank you. If you guys are in Houston and you want a Lexus and they have the model, maybe you go to Westlake. Uh, number five, Sewell Lexus of Dallas, or maybe it's Dallas, anyway, if you're in Texas. Right. Westlake. Westlake. <laughs> Sewell Lexus of Dallas. We usually buy from this Lexus dealership because my parents have been buying from them since 1992. So it's one of those where they have a relationship, okay? Yeah. Uh, with their first LS400. Nice car, by the nice. way. Nice. Yeah, wow. Yeah, nice. Yeah, good okay. good, good choice there. That that car will do a million miles, Andre. Yeah, and it's still classic to this day. Yeah. I mean, the styling and everything that about first it. first LS, they, they like put as much, you know, Toyota does like reliability that one they, they added an extra sprinkle of reliability to <laughs> or maybe several sprinkles yeah that's got that's got the land cruiser reliability to the first one i'm not sure about the later ones but that one yes uh, we purchased uh, a u uh, a ux 258 from them last year that's okay not bad okay good so the hybrid right the small little crossover hybrid right um uh, at a phenomenal price to capture in, in Houston market share. We called them, and they were also doing no dealer markups, just straight at MSRP. Again, no models in inventory or in transit that we're interested in. So there you go. Another good story. So okay. Sewell, Lexus of Dallas. Uh, there's another one for you guys if you're interested in a Lexus. All right. Now they decided to go to a Volkswagen dealership. Okay. Well, they had they some are, time. <laughs> they had some time. Uh, yeah. Dude, you had time and you were kind of all over the place. But that, that's also another thing. Oftentimes people say they want one car, but really with their heart they want something else. Yeah. So their head says, I Your want Your brain one. says one way, right? Yeah. And so what, what happened at the VW dealership now? So West Houston Volkswagens. We ended up purchasing a 2022 Tiguan 4Motion from this dealership at just below sticker. They advertised oh. no markups and the Tiguan seemed to fit the bill for my parents traveling. Okay. All right. Our salesman, uh, Gabriel, was a breeze to deal with. This was the first German brand we've ever purchased. A couple of other places we called were pretty upfront about having markups. Honda dealership had a 2000 markup on the HRVs. Another Toyota dealership in Oklahoma had a $1,500 markup on the Venza LE and that was in transit. If... We had known there were Toyota dealerships further out with no markup, such as Toyota of Seattle. We would have purchased from them and taken a road trip back to Texas. We would have rather spent the markup on traveling and slash a road trip to get back instead of the cost of transportation to Texas rather than giving it away. At least it would have been some value. We would have been the benefit of spending uh, that money. Sorry for the long stories. We thought you'd enjoy your reviews. And we, oh, we thoroughly enjoy your reviews on your YouTube channel and uh Purchased a Model Y Performance last year based on Tommy's roller test. Jason, this guy buys a lot of cars. Jason, you are you are like you are the king. <laughs> you are the king. I'm, I am I am thoroughly impressed. Yeah. So uh, th- that brings up another point, right? Yes. Uh, and that is, 
Uh, right now, Andre, um, there's a strong headwind blowing, I think, in the direction of dealership model, right? So I, 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 I think, and, I, and I'm not a historian by any means, but I think the reason that dealers began in America instead of, you know, why, why can you buy an Apple direct? Why can you buy an Apple computer direct from Apple, but you can't buy a Ford direct from Ford? Why is there a middleman in all this? And I think what happened is when, you know, cars were first invented, the the world of automotive manufacturing was small, and people like Henry Ford didn't have deep pockets, right? So they put all their money uh, into manufacturing. And developing, yeah. And developing. And then the dealers would buy them, and then they would sell them. And so it became kind of an easier shortcut, right? They didn't have to open up stores. They didn't have to deal with the public. They had a, a much smaller uh, group of people that they had to deal with. And so that's how this kind of middleman situation developed. And then over the years, of course, uh, the dealership model uh, became ingrained in our legal system because dealers got political power and started writing uh, the dealership model into law so that basically it made it illegal for the manufacturer to sell cars directly uh, to the car buyer, Mm -hmm. which to me is very uh, uh, unfree market. You know, if you want to sell, if I if I'm if I'm manufacturing something and I want to sell it, why do I have to go through a middleman? Let's face it, for the for most transactions, a middleman is not good for consumers. Yeah, and it adds a, it adds a layer of price. Totally. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then, of course, Tesla came around, uh, and Mr. Musk said, "I'm not doing that. I'm gonna uh, sell go direct. I'm gonna sell direct." And you know, in many of the states, including now. Like the hardest ones are like Michigan and Texas right now. They said, oh, you're not because the laws are such that you can't. And he said, oh, yes, I am. And I've got lawyers and got all lawyered up uh, and took, you know, took, took those laws to court and basically won. So now um, in most states, except for Michigan, which is ironic, and in a way, Texas also ironic. You know what's ironic about Texas? Well, for Tesla, it's very ironic. Yeah. Why, why didn't like Tesla go to the, you know, the, the, the Austin city government that runs Texas, right, and say to them, hey, guys, I shouldn't say Austin, we, I should say state. We are building a factory here. Yeah, we're, we're going to invest several billion dollars in Austin and in the state of Texas. And uh, in order to do that, we just want one little thing, and that is the ability <laughs> to actually sell our cars here. <laughs> because, but no, no, no. Because we're not using a dealer. That's yeah. not happening. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It would seem he would... The Tesla would have been in a position of power at that moment, but they didn't, uh, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on the way you look at it. Uh, so in those two states, they can't, but everywhere else, they basically sell, for the most part, cars directly. Uh, and then, you know, the other, let's call them tech car companies, because that's what they are, right? They're electric car companies. Mm-hmm. So you know what? If Tesla can do it, we can do it. So now you've got Rivian. Same same model, right? That's, that's selling direct. Yeah. That's, well, they're trying. You know, what's you, you, you they know. sold fifty six? No, they built fifty six vehicles um, in the first month, and they sold forty four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so that's not a lot of sale. No, right now. Uh, and we think um, it's because they're trying to go public, and so right now we think friends of RJ, people in, insiders in the company, are getting their first Rivians, but if you're a consumer. Uh, I don't think, you, you know, except like for a couple of show people, nobody's actually gotten Rivians yet, as far as we can tell. But that may change. And that was that came from the SEC, SEC filing. So that's mm-hmm. how we know that they've built 52 and sold. And we also know that they have 50,000 reservations because that was also in the filing. Yeah. Uh, so at 42 a month, it's going to take a while. Yeah, they need to ramp up their production in a serious way. <laughs> if, you're, if you're out there waiting for your Rivian, yeah. I think they will. Uh, you know, I think they're just doing this, like I say, because they're going public. I think, I think realistically, they're going to ramp up in January and hopefully. But you never know. It could be, once again, they're affected by the same chip shortage that everybody else is. Um, and now Lucid is a new company too, right? So now Lucid is yeah. starting to ship cars uh, to, uh, d- to customers, uh, and they're also going direct. And I'm wondering, Andre, how long do you think it'll be before somebody at, like, I don't know, pick the brand will say, why aren't we doing this? You think you I, think that I, they're, they're that wet? You think that like in the boardroom of GM or Ford or you know in Japan in Tokyo, wherever uh, Toyota's headquarters? Where's Toyota headquarters? Tokyo City. It's Tokyo City, right? Well, don't they have their own city? Tokyo City. Yeah, I think that's outside of Tokyo. Ta- Toyota, Ta- city. Toyota City. Toyota City, which Toyota is outside city. of yes, Tokyo. Yes. Uh, isn't Mazda in Hiroshima? I believe so. Yeah. Now you're testing my geography. Yeah. Yeah. No, anyway, uh, anyway, I'm just so, I, you, you think that so, somebody, somebody in those borders would be like, hey, 
you know, now that we're in the situation where, um, you know, other companies are doing it, do we really need dealerships? I think that's a valid question that, that if I were in a boardroom, I would be asking. Uh, and that's a valid question that if I were a dealership, I might be asking myself before I start jacking prices up too much. Yeah. And I think so. First of all, I want to comment that in a lot of the instances, I think uh, a dealership model uh, is good in a way because it has a, uh, a flavor of local per person ownership, right? Uh, I know some dealerships are owned by conglomerates or that's big going, companies. But that's going away too. I yeah, it's but, all, but, the small fish are being eaten by the big fish. I know that's unfortunate too. You, but you know that Jeep dealer powered here? Yeah, no longer powered. Well, but Johnson Auto Plaza. That's some, still Johnson. Yeah. So, so that's what I'm but saying. How long? Well, I don't know, but but that's what I enjoy because I can actually see and meet the owner of the dealership, and uh, you know, and they have good practices, and I, I feel like you know I'm I'm buying a vehicle, but I'm also supporting a local community and local ownership, and I, I can actually if I have a problem, I can go to them directly. If I have to call Michigan or somewhere else and try to get my issue resolved, but you know, um, but that's if I'm being the devil's advocate, yeah. I would say. You know, if we have a problem with this Mac, right, we can just go to the Mac store. I mean, they have a whole team of people called geniuses <laughs> that are there not not only to fix this, right, which they will charge you for, oh, they will charge geniuses. you a good deal for, yeah, uh, but also to educate you on it. Uh, and let's face it, out of all the things that dealerships do, the education part is not great. Usually not great. Not great. Right, Usually it's right. like, here are your keys. Right. Uh, usually, well, when we go shopping, sometimes we, we know more about the vehicle than, than the salespeople. True that, dude. So, I, I don't know. So, it's, it's hard when there's an established model, right? And it's employing a lot of people, right? So, you know, how do you evolve? You know, that could be an interesting conversation, actually. You know, with hope maybe one of the uh, people we know in the dealership, uh, I don't know if they have obviously thought about it, right? Uh, I don't know how they're approaching this. So I've I talked, really don't I've, know. I've talked to manufacturers, and I've said, have you considered, you know, moving away from the dealership model? And all of them have, like, looked at me like I just fallen out of the tree, <laughs> like I was crazy, and, like, these are their business partners. Um, so, you know, I, and, and the hard part, of course, is and these were these were some pretty, you know, high-up people. They weren't, like, the heads of the companies, but they, if it's a foreign company, they were the top people here in America for that company. Um so they looked at me like I was crazy. Uh, maybe I am crazy, uh, but if I were, you know, sitting on a board of a company, it would certainly be a question that, especially at this point of time, the question is, Andre, who's got the power in that relationship? You know, is it the dealership or is it the manufacturer? I think it's a, it's the manufacturer because they're the ones who build the cars. Yeah, if they want to stop building cars, that's their power. All right, right, or shift their production or do whatever. I, I think they have a lot of power. The, there's another wind that's blowing where dealerships used to have hundreds of vehicles on the lot. A lot of them had to be discounted because there was a lot of choice and a lot of options sitting there. And now when we spoke, you know, for example, with Ram, they said they want to shift more to pre-orders, right? So vehicles that you actually select yourself so you're picking all the right options that you want and all the right features and everything like that and then they'll build it for you specifically which which also moves the model to a more direct sales model exactly yeah i mean what 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 is the, then what is the role of the middleman they, they get the vehicle that you pre-ordered and what what value are they adding then right hopefully their value could be servicing but if it's electric, there's not a lot of service, and the dealers know that. I'm shrugging my shoulders. Yeah, you're shrugging if, your shoulders. If if you cannot see, um, it's a it's a tough it's a tough question to to pose. I guess I'm being hard on dealers because you know uh, we have been inundated with emails of and, and look I, I get it Andre, um, if you've got a hot if you've got a hot vehicle. Uh, that is relatively expensive. And I'm talking about TRX, I'm talking about Bronco, I'm talking about Raptor, I'm talking about G-Wagons, you know, and, and, and you mark that up from, let's say it's a G-Wagon from a base of 126, which you'll never find, let's say 150 to 200. And there's not a lot of people who are going to shed alligator tears because if you can afford a $150,000 G-Wagon, you can probably afford a $200,000 G-Wagon. And if you can afford a $95,000 TRX, you can probably afford a $125,000 TRX. That's, that's, you know, that's kind of... That's a whole nother level. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of the, the you know, the the free market at work, but you know Ford has just built 
the least expensive car in their, and I say car with air quotes because it's a truck in their lineup, and it's of course the Maverick, right? It's nineteen thousand nine hundred, and yet we're seeing markups on those of between three and five thousand. And now I actually think, nine thousand. Somebody said really nine thousand. Nine thousand dollar markup on a new Maverick. And now it kind of now it kind of starts to feel like you're kicking the little guy when he's down. Yeah, because you know the, the biggest news about that little pickup is that it was affordable, right? Yeah. Starting like you said with you know with destination, you know twenty plus about fifteen hundred dollars. Destination is a whole nother can of worms. Yeah, that's a, that's uh, a manufacturer it, thing, and then they're raising destination charges too. Yeah, I think uh, that the, the most uh, well look the the supercars are very high, but uh, the, the the company that is doing that right now to a large extent is uh, Stellantis. I want to say the destination on a Grand Wagoneer is almost two thousand dollars, or maybe just a little bit over two thousand. Yeah, 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 around two thousand dollars. And if you're wondering what a destination fee is, it used to be the justification for it used to be that it was the amount of money it took to ship the vehicle from the factory to your dealership. Mm -hmm. uh, but that amount is static. So whether your dealership is next to the factory, or whether two it's, miles away, or whether it's twenty or two hundred or two thousand miles away, it's going to be the same amount. Uh, and basically, you know, I don't know why that was written in the law the way it was, but that should just be part of the price of the vehicle, right? It's like saying, it's like saying, you know, we, we have to give you a special uh, installation fee on the door because we had to install the door. That's part of it's part know, of the cost. It's part of the cost. Right? It's not. It's nothing special. You got to yeah. deliver it. Yeah. No one's going to the factory and picking it up because it's illegal. Right. So if that's your cost. That's not something the consumer should be like, hey, oh, I get that. Uh, um, so that that is certainly a, another part of the equation that's happening. Um, so, so yeah, so the Maverick is affordable, supposed to be affordable. Some dealerships are marking the three, four, five, nine thousand dollars we saw. Uh, some one of you sent in a Maverick. Uh, I think at about forty-six thousand. That was the price of it. Then also vehicles like Kia Telluride, still commanding a markup in, in at some dealerships, uh, from like fifty to sixty thousand dollars. And the Palisade. And the Palisade is still very popular. There's, for example, the Forerunner we just discussed, the Forerunner uh, TRD Pro. One of you guys found it with a thirty thousand dollar markup. Wow. Thirty thousand on a Forerunner, wow. and a Forerunner is—it's oh, a great vehicle. But yeah, anyway, it's, it's supposed to be relatively affordable. And then the other—the other part of this equation, which is also very worrisome right now, there's just a lot of like red flags uh, around car sales at this moment um, that that are bad for the economy in general, right? Because there used to be the saying, Andre, what's uh, good for GM is good for America. Well, and I don't believe that, but I certainly feel what's bad for GM is bad for America because they employ so many people. And you can you can take that as you know any manufacturer, not just GM. Uh, but uh, Consumer Reports did a really interesting story where they dug into consumer lending car loans, uh, and, and what they found was predatory lending. Uh, they found that. Uh, uh, you know, very long loans. They find they found a very high delinquency rate, uh, basically because people can't afford these cars. Uh, well, they go MS upside down on them, right? Yeah, at, at MSRP. Uh, then what ends up happening is they end up taking out a loan that's maybe, I don't know, eight years, ten years. You know, these are these are incredibly long loans, and eventually or inevitably, you're going to get upside down on them. Uh, the, 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 the qualifying they found for those loans was not very stringent. So they, did, they found that people didn't need to necessarily, you know, they needed to have a pulse. Come right? on down. Come on down. They needed down. to have a pulse. And, yeah. uh, uh, and that was all. Uh, and, and, you know, it feels, like, it feels like that's just a recipe for a, a lending bubble that could take down a lot of other uh, financial institutions with it. But let's close this podcast on some good stuff. Happy notes. No, I, we've been. Real, I feel down. Let's let's okay. let's let's close it on a positive note. There is a, there is a, a very big silver lining in this uh, storm, and that is used car prices. So if you have a used car right now, um, your value of that car is much higher. So uh, that means that you know if, if you've got an extra car sitting around, or if you can consolidate a car and not have to have two cars, uh, you know this is a great time to sell your used car. You you're going to get in a lot of cases more money in, than you paid for it. So that that's the upside, yeah. right? Uh, and then the other upside is you know the 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 part that we haven't talked about is yet there are those models like uh, Carvana and Vroom, right, which are basically uh, changing the way that at least used cars at this point are, are being bought and sold, where it's all kind of painless and 
um, simple. So you go online, you find the car, um, and you they deliver a few to buttons, you. right? Yeah, and Nathan bought his uh, Leaf that way. Mm-hmm. You deliver it to your house, and usually, you know, with Carvana, you've got a week to decide whether you want to keep it or not. Uh, and if there's something wrong, they'll fix it. Um, and the good news there is because they're these companies. There's, there's more than just the room. There's like there's a bunch of them. Uh, they're VC funded companies, and they're uh, competing for market share. Uh, one of our friends was just telling me, Alex actually, Alex on Autos was telling me that he just sold the Durango uh, for more than the car is worth, and for more than they can probably get for it. Right, so because they're trying to get market share, they're out there buying these vehicles. Oh, another one is—is uh, is it AutoNation? Right, they also buy cars. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're out there buying cars to get inventory, to get stock, to get market share, uh, and they're spending a lot of money for them. So that's that's could be a painless way. He said he sold his Durango uh, for more, I think, or as much as he paid for it. You know, uh, and uh, they came, they picked it up, they cut him a check, didn't even like like you know looked it over, like yeah, it looks good, and away away it went. And he felt like the money they paid for it, they could not sell it for. And it was painless for him. And it was absolutely yeah. painless yeah. for him, yeah. So so if you've got, you know. So that's a positive. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a big positive. Yeah, so take advantage of all that VC money that's out there trying <laughs> to capture market share uh, yeah. and, and check them out. I'm not, I'm not saying we had a bad experience with Vroom trying to buy a car, but I'm talking about selling a car. Yeah. So there you have it, yeah. Well, yeah. a little bit of positive news, yeah. you know, some some negative too, but uh, a lot more new vehicles coming. Yeah. And a lot of good news from SEMA is if you do have a used vehicle, you don't want to sell it, you can accessorize it. You know, and that's what we'll be seeing, you know, more and more and more. Also at SEMA next week, uh, a lot of accessories, parts, uh, maybe lift kits, lowering kits, etc. So, anyway, so... Uh, um, if it's uh, if you're listening to this on Monday, then please uh, check out uh, Andre Sima coverage. Check out my and Tommy's Volkswagen coverage. And remember, uh, thank you very much to all our Patreon uh, friends who are out there who are helping to support what we do. Uh, and then. Um, if you are interested in actually going off-road, we have to give a big shout-out to Onyx. Yes, Onyx Off-Road Maps. Yeah, they're great, though. Uh, they really uh, help us. We get tons of emails from you guys. Hey, where do we go off-road? We're coming to Boulder. I want to do some off-roading. Get Onyx. It'll show you where you can go off-road. It actually t- writes it up, tells you if it's hard, easy, where it goes, what's cool about it. It's a really great app. Yeah, and you get it for seven days for free. Yeah. You can try that yeah. app. And what's the discount code, Andre? Uh, TFL. Just TFL is you get twenty percent off a uh, annual membership, so that's a good deal. Yeah, that's a good deal. So yeah. thank you to our friends at Onyx, uh, and thank you guys for listening and watching. Uh, as always, this is Roman and Andre saying check out TFL-studios.com and make it a web app for all your car TFL news. See you guys next time. Ciao. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.